are trains on a track, moving through life at warp speed. Please keep all arms and legs inside the moving vehicle at all times. The years pass like a flipbook, faster than we can absorb, but the train does not stop. Press our faces to the windows to try and get a good view, and we ask each other, "Where are you headed?" And there, on the train, we decide we want to head toward the promised day. We want to head toward crowded tables and long, healthy lives. We want to move in the direction of joyful children and hopeful communities. We want to move closer to God with every mile of track, and that does not happen by accident. So it's time to ask. Where are you headed, and who is driving that train? Where are you headed, and who is driving that train? Where are you headed, and who is driving that train? When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, "Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this: The Lord needs them, and He will send them immediately." This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet: "Tell the daughter of Zion, look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey." The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat them sat on them. A very large crowd. Spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna! "Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna! Hosanna! In the highest heaven!" When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city in turmoil, asking, "Who is this?" The crowds were saying, "This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee."
Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart inspire the revolutionary change that you came to bring as our rock and our redeemer. Amen. It was very tempting for me to start this sermon this morning with a series of chants such as, I say poor people, you say power. Or, I say Portsmouth, you say power. Or even, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. You cannot love God and money. The first time that I was in Washington, D.C. was in 2017 for the Indigenous Voices March where we gathered to rally in support of indigenous peoples, water protectors, and keeping clean, clean air and water. Only a few months prior to that, I had accepted the call to go to Standing Rock and stand with indigenous people there. Our cry was clear. Water is sacred, water is life. In states across the United States, including here in Oregon, and apparently here in Portland, although I tried really hard to find it. Uh, there are protests occurring where people are crying out for the lives and dignity of transgender children. What we say and where we put our social power and our bodies and our voices matter. Protests matter. In one of my papers for my doctorate of ministry, I argue that protests can and should be seen as a sacrament although my fellow disciples clergy might argue that it's an ordinance, not a sacrament, but that's yeah, getting down into nitty-gritty. But I believe it's a sacrament, a means by which God offers grace through the revolutionary work that we take part in. It can help lead us towards answering the question, where are you headed? Last Sunday in our Lenten lunch series, I was asked a question that I think is very powerful. Do I prefer Palm Sunday or Passion Sunday? I don't think I really got to answer that question as fully as I wanted to, but it does help lead more deeply into this sermon and perhaps our conversation for today. So to answer that, I think it's important to address both concepts. Palm Sunday is the day that we celebrate Jesus coming into Jerusalem. Passion Sunday is kind of the second week of what was considered Passion Tide in the Catholic and Episcopal um, and Lutheran churches, and somewhat in the Methodist church, although it's to a much lesser degree. Passion Tide commemorates the suffering and torture of Jesus. So what do I like about Palm Sunday? Many people have written Palm Sunday off to be just a parade or a triumphant military entrance of Christ, which seems terribly confusing to me because Jesus is on a donkey and the babe of a donkey. I don't know if he's doing a surfing thing there or not, but I don't know. That's kind of where my brain goes. Anyway, uh, the first Palm Sunday was a protest. It was subversive satire in comparison to what really was the triumphant entrance 
of the conquering Roman general. Instead of a war horse or pulled by white horses in a chariot giving the princess wave, that the Roman general or Caesar on his way to be inaugurated would have ridden, Jesus was riding an unbroken donkey. Rather than being loudly proclaimed by a military guard, Jesus was hearing the shouts of, Hosanna! Save us. To be saved from Roman oppression. Whether Pilate, Caesar, or another general, these were leaders of the state, bearing symbols of the state. Jesus was not part of a political party. And Jesus is not part of a political party now. Jesus was, however, very political. Jesus stood against oppression, and Jesus stood for a new way of being. A different sort of kingdom, or kingdom. This was satirical protest at its best. And Jesus was showing us just how to do it. To mock the powers that be and do so in a very peaceful, but life and society changing way. This is what I loved about Palm Sunday. Not that it was a simple parade. I don't think it was. It was a show of power and servanthood, rather than power through military might. An example of gentleness and humility it gave comfort to the downtrodden, and it unsettled the rich, powerful and comfortable. Conversely, passions have been used to oppress religious minorities, especially though not only Jews in nations that have been predominantly Christian. Passion plays is what I'm referring to. The history of passion plays, which would rile up crowds to do harm to religious minorities, is really well documented. It must be understood that it was not Jews who killed Christ, but rather the Roman government. Similarly, calling Jews then and now, particularly Pharisees, rule-bound and obsessed with temple observance is not only what I think of as lazy scholarship, but it's wrong. So, in short, not, no, I'm not a fan of Passion Sunday. I do think it's important to recall and remember the torture and crucifixion of Christ. But I deeply believe that skipping Palm Sunday in favor of bringing Good Friday forward in the calendar is skipping some of the most important parts that lead up to Good Friday. Often we want to move to the good parts, right? Or the more familiar aspects and not sit in some of the uncomfortable tension that we're in, whether that's life or whether that's our religious observance or even a book or movie. Even now, if I'm moving too fast, either walking, talking, or doing something else, my dad, who many of you got to meet recently, will sing to me from Simon and Garfunkel, slow down, you move too fast. Gotta make the moment last, hey. Kicking down cobblestones and feeling groovy. I think that's the temptation with Lent and Holy Week. We want to skip 
to the egg hunts. So we have egg hunts that are scheduled weeks in advance of Easter. We want to skip to Good Friday. So we have Passion Sunday instead. We want to move as fast as possible through whatever we're doing. Instead, I think we should take a moment and consider what it means to be in Palm Sunday. Instead of judging the people who are cheering on Jesus right now, some who may be calling for his death later this week, I think it's important to understand what they may be feeling right here and right now. Right now, they are hopeful. They are hopeful because Jesus is offering a new kingdom, and they believe it will no longer be under the yoke of Roman oppression. They believe deeply that their hope has arrived, and they have very specific views on what that looks like. For many, it means that Jesus will bring back a religious state that was similar to the religious state that they heard stories of as children. There is hope in being able to have one's own culture rather than the culture of an oppressive colonizing force forced down one's throat. That is what they hope for. This is what they are certain Jesus is offering. And we know that this is not what happens. Even now, Jesus is often depicted as a mighty conqueror. There are many people who claim the name Christian that wrap the cross in an American flag or their country's flag. There are depictions of a macho, nationalistic, even gun-loving Jesus who holds no mercy for those who don't look or act like everyone else. Then there's the gentle Lord who subversively threatened the powers that be, and was killed for it. And I don't have to imagine that there are many other images of Christ besides. The question is, when you're at the crossroads, and we've all been there, which way will you choose? Will you choose the way of the oppressor, or will you choose to stand with the oppressed? So many, so many people want to be in that crowd on that day, on that first Palm Sunday. Yet how many of those people who say they want to be there, that want to find themselves in the midst of it, how many of them find that they have been playing a part of the Roman soldiers, unwilling to change systems of oppression because the systems have been working fine just for them? How many of the leaders within our denominations and others have refused to stand up for those who are being oppressed right now because it threatens to divide a denomination? How many have used words that target religious cultural, racial, or gender minorities because they've been trying to keep the whole together. One of these days, one of these days you'll find yourself in the crossroads and you'll have to make a choice. Whether you join in the protest or whether you try to sweep it all under the rug as just a parade. Or if you're on the other side of that city, 
cheering on that white charger. For me and my house, we'll shout, Hosanna! And serve the Lord and systematically dismantle greed, racism, and cis heteropatriarchy. Amen.